So as we mentioned, uh, Doug Rowland is with us, pastor of Rock Island Bible Church. Good to dig into the, the Word of God for us a little bit this morning. Good morning to you, sir. Good morning. Good to be. I can't believe snow. You just said that, and that was a shocker. Uh, yes. Okay. I was shocked this morning when I saw the forecast. Whew. It's like it's going to be in there. Comes out of the blue. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Well, it is good to be together today. Hey, guys, warning. Valentine's Day is tomorrow. If you're listening in, I heard all about those reservations and how long you're willing to wait. Oh, goodness. Here we go. So, hey, I learned a lesson last year in regards to Valentine's Day as a pastor of a church. You cancel midweek ministry, apparently, on Valentine's Week. And if you don't, you're going to hear about it. You know, people want the time to be together so we can value that, build up marriages Mm. that way and all of that. But hey. I uh, did did get some feedback, but more seriously, uh, listen, no matter if you're into the Hallmark holiday thing or not, (laughs) uh, we should talk about love as believers. Yes. Uh, The world's got so many cheap substitutes, Mm -hmm. many of which are wrapped in heart-shaped boxes this time of year with a dozen roses, but God's Word has so much to say on the topic. Now, I'll I'll openly admit that I use the word love far too often. Uh, Maybe being a person of chronic overstatement, a lover of words, I say that I love a lot of things, from coffee to pizza. For sure, bacon makes the list, right? Mountains and beaches, sunrises, sunsets, you get the picture, and on and on and on and on. My list is long of the things I love, and because of that, this word becomes kind of a junk drawer kind of word in our culture. Mm -hmm. I mean, my love for Mm -hmm. bacon and my love for my wife (laughs) ought to be different. Yes. And if they're not, then we should be talking, right? Right. right. So that's it. I'd love for us to regain an appreciation and a proper weightiness of that word once again. So, Deb, I'm going to ask you to read for us out of First John chapter 4 this morning. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world, that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. Well, I don't think you could say the word as often. It's just those few verses, right, all condensed there. And we're going to talk about it. Here's what we see here. When it comes to love, there's a few things you've got to know. First is this, that love is only possible with God. I mean, here's the thing. When we have no reference point in our culture for what it is, then any picture of it will do. It's why we have circular statements like love is love, which makes no sense, (laughs) John here tells us that our reference point as a follower of Jesus must be God himself, and he's specific about what we must know, Uh, particularly this. He says, you want to know what love is, then you must know that God sent his son to be a sacrifice for our sins. Now, he uses the bigger Bible word, propitiation, meaning in love, Jesus took the wrath of God upon himself that we should have received. Now, for clarity, you might be thinking, if God is love, then how is he capable of such wrath? And I just want you to consider this. Because he's love, in fact, he is capable of great wrath. Uh, The more you love something, think about this, the more capable of wrath you are. Girl dads know this. Mm -hmm. Back up. Mama bears know this. Mm -hmm. Those are my cubs, right? I mean, what an amazing picture, though, we have of a love that God would send his son to satisfy the wrath that belonged to to us. And so it starts there, this foundational understanding that love is only possible with God. Now, to even know love, you've got to know this about him. And then, then comes verse 11. 
Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. I'll say it this way. Love, man, love that looks like the Lord, man, compels you to enter the messiness Mm -hmm. of life. So John here tells us if God showed his love to us in this way, by sending his son as a sacrifice, then any love we look to share with the world should imitate the love we've first been shown by God himself. I mean, just consider Jesus' arrival. Right, we just celebrated Christmas not too long ago. He arrives amid social outcasts on the outskirts of town in a place most likely covered in soot with a thick floor of sheep manure. Why do I say that? These are the shepherd's caves on the outside of town. Now, certainly in our mind, right, there's places much more fit for a king. But he chose a lowly arrival in the midst of a mess on this rescue mission to take on the wrath that we deserved. You know, our love for others must do the same. It's got to be willing to enter the messiness of life with others. We've got to be a people who show up, if I could say it this way, in the stables of life, just as Jesus has done for us. Those soot and manure-covered caves of our lives and others and seek to bring light and life to those places. You see, we all try too hard to hide those parts of our lives, don't we? I mean, where it's a mess and we don't have it all together. And that just doesn't work when it comes to love. Real love. Our relationships, our friendships are fake when we try to hide the mess and act like all is well all the time. I mean, let's be honest. Nobody likes the person who claims to have it all together. In fact, maybe the opposite. We're all waiting for that person to fall and to fail. And so listen, of the best of relationships, including marriage, love means that we enter into the mess of one another's lives and we walk out together. Again, just like Jesus. And when we do, we've got to know this, that love comes at a cost. At a cost. John says it this way one chapter earlier. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for one another. You see, love takes us through some pretty painful places. Just think about parenting. I mean, love costs you, oh, it costs you, doesn't it? Convenience. Costs you sleepless nights. Costs you tears. I mean, be a little bit lighthearted, right? Your calendar's not your own. Your wallet's not your own. Your house (laughs) is not your own. Your leftovers are not your own. Some of you, your clothes are not your own because your kids like to borrow. And we were just talking about my son right here. Some of us, our shoes are no longer our own, (laughs) right? As that begins to happen. I mean, the journey God has our family on reminds me that love mandates that I make room for people in my life, in my house at times, certainly in the budget, and especially in my heart. Mm. Not always an easy learning curve. He reminds me of it often. And so the question maybe is this, is it costing you to love? Or do we love the world's definition? It's just lovely and convenient. That's what love is. I mean, we're not talking, though, about love as a feeling this morning. We're talking about it as a verb. And so think on this. Are there particular people you find it difficult to love? It's going to cost you something. Are there household responsibilities you avoid, even though others in your home would feel so loved if you took them on every once in a while? Do you find yourself grumbling or asking for recognition when you're sacrificing for the ones that you love? My encouragement is to take stock of your heart and remember that love comes at a cost. And so here's the trajectory so far of Christ's love, the love he models and calls us to live out, calls us to enter the mess and to lay down our lives. Why? Well, John gives us the answer here right in verse 9. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. 
which tells us this, love seeks to lead others to life. So God sent Jesus because he loved us. John 3.16 tells us that. If you know maybe one scripture, he got it memorized. He sent him to put love on display for us to see what it really looks like. So in the end, we might really experience life. That's John 10.10, that he came mm-hmm. to give us life and life mm-hmm. in abundance. He doesn't want us to settle for the world's shallow substitutes. You see, I think what John is getting at is that outside of Jesus, you and I might exist, but you're not really going to live. Same is true of love, shallow substitutes versus a real experience of it. Sure, you can enjoy so much of what God has to offer, things that maybe we'd call common grace, whether it's good food or great friends, beautiful places, meaningful relationships, and on and on and on. But it stops there for the person who doesn't know Jesus with simple enjoyment of those things. When what those things are ultimately to lead to is experiencing God's love for you. You see, the only way to get from simply living to abundant life is belief in and worship of Jesus Christ. So to think about this picture of love, this past Christmas, our church had an opportunity to come alongside of a family. God provided in some miraculous ways for them. We were just mm-hmm. a conduit as a church. Uh, we asked mom for a list of what everyone wanted, and as I read the list. I noticed that her name was missing. Now, this is where love steps in. Mm-hmm. I reached out and asked, and what do you want for Christmas? And then, you know, you get those three dots on your text message and you're like, you know, they're writing something and then hit and delete and writing. Mm. It was a few minutes. It took her a long while. And you know what her reply was? No one has ever asked me that before. Mm. (laughs) Now, if you know me, Mm. you know, right then and there, I took the opportunity to share all the ways that God had miraculously provided for her family. And how he intimately cared for every detail and that as mom, he would not leave her out of this blessing that he loved her so very much. So listen, don't miss the opportunity to point people to Jesus as you extend your love to them. Remember, we love because he first loved us. So lead them to life. That's what love does. And now just a few verses later, 1 John four 12, we'll wrap up with this. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. This says a few things to me. First, while people might not see God, when we love one another like we ought to, they do get to experience him. And second is a point I want to close with about love, and that's this. Love makes you and I more like Jesus. When we love one another, it says God abides in us and his love is perfected in us, meaning his love is working towards an intended goal in us. And we're told in Romans 8 that that goal is for us to be conformed to the image of his son, Jesus and so let me state it plainly. There seems to be nothing more refining than love. It calls me and you to say things, do things, and live in such a way that calls us to regularly repent, act contrary to our flesh. It's like it's consistently chipping away at us to produce a better version of ourselves. And listen, let's be clear. It's not Doug 2.0 that love is trying to produce. It's working towards producing Christ in me when I exercise love like I ought to. And so listen, when it comes to love and my failures to show it as I should, here's how this happens. Often conviction comes quickly from the Holy Spirit to show me with clarity where I fall short. And rather than wallow in sorrow, the goal is to lead us to repentance and breed a greater desire in us to be more like Christ. And so bottom line, to love others is hard. The world is transactional and its superficial substitutes are much easier to live out. But to love, as we're shown by Christ himself, is only possible with God, compels us to enter the messiness of life, comes at a cost and seeks others, man, seeks to lead others to life and ultimately makes us more like Christ.
That is so good. So, Doug, for someone this morning who's listening in and they are thinking, I don't think I've ever experienced the love of God in my life. Mm. I don't think I've received that into my life. And I have really difficulty loving other people. And I don't have that to draw on. How does somebody enter a relationship with the Lord? Absolutely. Let me just encourage you to draw near to him. Stop right now, wherever you are, if that's the conviction you're unless you're driving, okay? Listen, don't close your eyes at this point in time. But he is readily available for you to talk to and say, hey, Lord, here's the reality of where my heart is. I am not sure, and we know that you are a God of clarity, and that you would ask that he would overwhelm you with a sense of his love. I tr- trust me, if you look around right now and think about all the things in your life, you begin to see his fingerprints and his provision all over you. And ask, come to him, ask him for forgiveness of your sins. Turn in repentance from your sin and ask him to enter in and to, to, to live his life through you in such a way you're, you are unable to love others apart from his love. And so, yeah, that's just a fruit of the fact that you're standing with him is not quite right. And so I encourage you, ask for forgiveness, turn in repentance and receive the eternal life that he offers by his son. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Doug, for stopping by, and thank you for that. It's been awesome. 